Welcome to day 87 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 18. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Today's text introduces us to David and contains some of the best known and best loved stories in the Old Testament. Chapter 16 opens with the Lord's rejection of Saul as king. God is already looking toward the future and invites Samuel to look ahead with him. Samuel was well known enough that he couldn't really travel in Israel without creating a stir. So he feared that Saul might perceive him as a traitor and the people of Bethlehem were afraid when Samuel came that he was coming in judgment. So he created a story of coming to lead a special moment of sacrifice for the community. While ceremonially preparing the house of Jesse, Samuel sees the oldest son Eliab and immediately assumes, based on his appearance, that this must be the one the Lord has chosen. Now remember, part of what made Saul seem like the right king was that he was tall and handsome. He looked like a king. But God responds in verse 7, Have no regard for his appearance or stature, because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at the things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. After the complete number of seven sons have passed by, Jesse asks if there are any remaining. Jesse's response includes one of my favorite Hebrew words. He replies that there remains yet the Hakaton, that's spelled H-A-Q-Q-A-T-O-N, the Hakaton. It's a word that rightly is translated the youngest in the text, but scholars point out that it's a stronger word than might usually be used to describe the youngest. It can even be translated the runt of the litter. There's a son remaining, but he's the runt of the litter, and he's keeping the sheep. Now, David's role in the family is not insignificant. When we met Saul, he was chasing donkeys. David is a shepherd. And a shepherd is the occupation that serves as the primary metaphor for the kind of leader God desires for his people. A shepherd acts not in their own interest, but in the interest of the flock under his care. When Samuel anoints David, God's spirit begins to empower his life as well. At the same time that God's unique presence is falling upon David, it's departing from Saul, and it's been replaced by an unsettled spirit. It appears that the strain of leadership and the mixed nature of Saul's own character is catching up with him psychologically and emotionally. His servants suggest soothing string music, and they know an excellent musician, the freshly anointed David. This brief narrative sets up two important aspects of David's future. The obvious one is his close association with the Psalms. His psalm writing and the dedication of many psalms to him will forever make David the representative of Israel's prayer and praise. But on another level, this brief part of the story tells readers that David never tried to overthrow the house of Saul. He never strategized a coup, but he was invited by Saul into his house, and he was loved and valued by everyone, including Saul. Chapter 17 is, of course, the great story of David and Goliath. It's without question in the top 10 children's church stories of all time. Even people not connected with Christian faith know many of the details of the narrative. There's an oddness to the story, however, and that is that there is this unfamiliarity between Saul and David when we just finished reading in chapter 16 about their relationship. There are two things that seem clear about this chapter textually. The first is that 
this text must originate from some later tradition about David and his reign. At the end of the story, David takes Goliath's head to Jerusalem. The only problem is, Jerusalem won't become Israel or Judah's primary center of worship or leadership until much later during David's kingship. But secondly, the text seems to be included or added here without much attempt to smooth out some of the connecting details, because the narrator wants us to see three things in succession about David. Chapter 16 told us that David was a shepherd and a musician, but now chapter 17 will tell us that he's also a warrior. And all three things will be central to David's life and identity as king. This great story lets us know that David was not only courageous, but that, unlike Saul and so many of the other leaders of Israel, David interpreted the crisis theologically. The narrator goes into great detail about Goliath's size and his daunting armor and weapons. When Saul sees that, he sees an insurmountable obstacle But when David sees Goliath, he sees an opportunity for the power of Yahweh to be revealed to the world. At the center of the story is David trying on Saul's armor. Repeatedly in 1 Samuel, Saul has been viewed as not acting when he should have been pursuing his primary calling to push back the Philistines. But here again, he's passing on his armor, his responsibility to somebody else. Now David will take up the assignment that Saul has failed at and not only do it better, but he'll do it in his own armor, in his own way, and in a way that will bring greater glory to God. After narrating David as a shepherd, musician, and warrior, chapters 18 through 20 turn to the growing tension between Saul and David and the growing affection between David and the people, including Saul's own children. Chapter 18 opens by describing the deep friendship between David and Jonathan, More than just a friendship, the text describes Jonathan's political loyalty to David instead of to his father. The act of giving David his robe and his armor foreshadows that David will receive the line of royal succession from Jonathan. And by the end of the chapter, David will not only have the loyalty of Saul's son, Jonathan, but he'll also have the love of Saul's daughter, Michael. As the affection and respect of the people turn toward David, Saul's envy and jealousy only increases. He tries to kill David twice with a spear. He promotes him within the military, hoping that he might die in battle. But his victories only increase David's reputation. Saul finally creates a plot so that the relatively poor David might earn his way into Saul's household. But even the death-defying act of taking on a hundred Philistines is no obstacle for David. Blessed as he is by the presence of God's Spirit, everything he tries, he succeeds at. And every attempt by Saul to get rid of David only makes him more popular with the people. These texts represent the best of the Old Testament's theological storytelling. They're filled with tension, intrigue, and rich insight, so read these chapters carefully, looking for things you've never seen before, journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions, and learn how to fight in your own armor. Our readings for tomorrow are 1 Samuel chapters 19 through 21, and we're adding Psalm 37. I'll talk to you tomorrow.